Hello and welcome to the SUMC podcast, where I hope to encourage you towards life and church revitalization, and am your unofficial source for revitalization within the local United Methodist Church. This is because I serve within the UMC and have seen an across-the-board issue of discipleship and seek to use the knowledge that I have, and more importantly, what I'm learning on my own journey with those of you who may have been struggling for years or are just starting out and might have some ideas or don't know what to do. So let's walk this journey together. Last time, I talked about considering the cost, getting real with what it will take in your church to get things started, finding what you do well rather than what you think you do well, finding what you do well rather than what you want to do well, uh, and being real with a timetable in your head, understanding your main two works, which is prayer and focus, understanding your secondary work, which is teaching, and then understanding your tertiary work, which is encouraging. Today, I want to consider those fears that might come up in the early stages of discussing a discipleship process within your church. Fears that center around the question, how long will this actually last? So today, I want to talk about those fears that will come up in discussion, and uh, maybe even some others before you even get started. So, four things to think about. What if I get moved to another church and another pastor comes in? What happens if we do this and we get a pastor that may not agree? What happens when there's an unwillingness to engage in this process from church members? And then I just want to ask the question, what have you thought about or heard about paragraph 244 in the Book of Discipline? So let me dive right in. So four things to think about. The first one that people are most often worried about is, what happens if the pastor gets moved to another church and another pastor comes in as you're beginning this discipleship process? Well, to be honest with you, that's a very real issue, and that's something that could come up. So I would say that you need to get the foundation of what you are going to do as a church, no matter what, and that it's who you are. Now, when you meet with a pastor, usually it's with the SPPRC before that pastor ever comes, and you can let them know that we have a discipleship process here. This is what we're doing. Let them know the timetable, get his feedback, and if there's some serious red flags where they seem disinterested or they don't want to do it, then talk with your district superintendent. There are some extreme things that you can do, but I wouldn't go that far yet. I would just try your best to continue with the discipleship process and see what the pastor's vision is for the church, for the discipleship process, for making disciples, for missions, for training up the next generation and equipping the next generation. Every pastor should have some idea of how they're going to do that. If they don't, and if you don't, then you're quite simply ineffective, and you should look for something else to do. Number two, what happens if we do this and we get a pastor that might not agree? So let's say you get a new pastor that comes in, and that's your worry in general. That's what I just talked about. Well, what happens if you, if you do start a discipleship process and a pastor comes in, and totally disagrees with what you're doing. Well, at this point, I would say communicate, communicate, communicate. Ask this pastor what is it exactly about the discipleship process that they, doesn't, that they don't like. Do they think it's the order that you have things laid out in the process? Are they just not understanding something? Be very, very real with the fact that 
you as a local church want to make disciples because that is why you exist. So be sure to talk with a local pastor about their view of making disciples. And again, it's very similar to number one, is get an understanding of the view of what it means to make a disciple. Uh, and make sure that it's a biblical view and a scriptural view, the whole of Scripture. Um, and really do a lot of prayer and be guided by the Holy Spirit. That's about the only thing you can do. But at the bottom line, you need to be adamant that a discipleship process of some kind is going to be happening in your church. Be very open with a pastor. Be very open with the district superintendent. Be very open with the SPPRC. Have some humility about this. This is not about control. This is not about politics. And this is not about power. This is about making disciples and trying to make disciples in the most effective way possible. If there's general disagreement, then the pastor needs to go to a new church or the congregants, you need to find a new church to attend that are making disciples. Number three, what happens when there's an unwillingness to engage in this process? Let's say that you're trying to get things going in the church and the rest of the church just doesn't seem interested. Well, my opinion on this is to always focus small and focus on seed planting. Plant the seeds. Let the Holy Spirit draw in the people that the Holy Spirit's going to draw in. Always be in prayer. Always be watching. Be encouraged that things are going to take a long time. I know that's not really encouraging, but things are going to happen. God will make this happen in your church if you remain faithful, you attend to His Word, and you pursue the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit for guidance, and you take those faith steps. If everybody else is unwilling, then they're either going to fade away and um, be lost in this process as more and more people join the process because they feel the Spirit is stirring and doing something, and God will bring those people. Or they'll go someplace else and be a black stain on somebody else's church and become somebody else's problem. Number four, one thing that I want to mention is the Book of Discipline. Paragraph 244 gives a way for local churches to restructure and create new bylaws voted on at charge conference on how best their church will raise up new leaders and create a system of discipleship within their church. That means that you can vote yourselves away from nominating committees and all those other things. You just have to make sure that somehow the SPPRC is represented, the trustees are represented, finance is represented, and another, I think, lay representation. So as long as there's some understanding in that verbiage of team leadership um, in your bylaws, then you can write new ones and you can structure your church around a process that fits with you to raise up leaders in the Methodist church that believe in Jesus Christ and have been baptized and are scriptural Christians that desire holiness and heart and life. That's what it means to be Methodist, nothing else. Because under those things, everything else will come into place, like social justice and all those other issues. Remember, it starts with God. It does not start with human beings. If it does in your church, then you need to flee as if hell itself were on your heels. Now, if you're a new pastor, you might 
not be worried about most of these fears because your main concern might just be knowing what you want to do and you might be afraid that you're not going to be able to do it because of the makeup and structure of our system and our local churches. I would say get started in one area of discipleship. Do it well. Give it the time it needs through prayer. Move on to the next. The same thing with the second one and so on. And now remember the the timetable. Give things six months to a year to first fester and clarify through good communication and then take that step and then try it for six months. It might take three months for that communication to happen, for people to have it fester in their minds, ask clarification questions. But then when you take that step, give it six months. Give it half a year. Um, And evaluate it along the way. Don't just do it and then let it fall off and just say, well, that didn't work. You have to do follow-up and you have to evaluate. I don't understand why churches don't do that. You need to evaluate. You need to talk with your people about, is this really working? What could be done different? And do it for six months. And then repeat this with the next thing. And as you're doing this, you're going to find that chatter begins to happen in a positive note. It feels like things are happening in the church. feels like there's momentum. It feels like, hey, our pastor's trying new things and this is exciting. Encourage your people to step out into new ministries. Don't be worried about replacing your trustee chair, your finance chair, your SPPRC chair. Remember, over time, you're creating saints who will minister in the kingdom of God here on earth. It's not about replacing positions on a committee and really know in your mind that those committees are going to go away soon because you're going to use paragraph 244 to modernize your church structure in order to spread scriptural holiness throughout the land. Now, if you've been there a while, perhaps your concerns are all the above. But if you have people that, quote, quote, get it and are invested in the good of this church, then empower them and equip them in a way where the discipleship process will continue to be part of the culture of the church, not the other way around. Develop your leadership first. Change how leadership is trained, equipped, and elected or chosen. Remember, your primary ministry is to leaders. Then the leaders will minister to the others and raise up other leaders because of your equipping. Remember, Jesus ministered to those who came to him, but in terms of leadership training and expectation, he went to the apostles. Pastors, you need to find good leaders in your church that get it, that have the vision, that are invested of the good of the church and making disciples. Empower them, equip them, meet with them often, do trainings twice a year, uh, evaluate in the spring, do new, new things in the fall. Every year go on retreat, do those things, talk about what's happening in your church. Make those hard decisions. Make those prayers where you're going you're gonna to look at the sermon calendar and your small groups and put everything in your process and see where it fits to create disciples. Now, if you're a church that doesn't have a pastor, well, what are you waiting for? You don't need a pastor to be a disciple or disciple others. However, you will need someone that can make final decisions if you find yourself at a standstill. This would be your district superintendent. Formulate a discipleship plan Utilize your district superintendent and the district leadership team, and then you can make great strides towards changing the culture of your church to be one of making disciples for the glory of God. 
So if you don't have a pastor, there might be some infighting. Well, to be honest with you, if somebody's resisting your desire to make disciples, communicate with them, figure out why, commit to making disciples, and make disciples. Again, God will bring the people that are needed in that church at the right time. So have no fear. And in fact, we hear time and time again to not be afraid and to have no fear. For me, I've often found that to be soothing yet impractical. Because you know what? It doesn't help me with the how. That's why I started this podcast. So if you are stuck in a position of fear then what is one small thing you can change? It might be as simple as including newer music in the service with a computer, uh, printed lyrics and computer speakers from uh, your home speaker system. Whatever it is, trying new things is forward motion and it's not standing still. So trying something and follow the Holy Spirit through the shining eyes of those people of peace who understand what is being attempted and you'll start gaining a little bit of momentum and ignore the negative Nancy's of the congregation. They have power because you give it to them. When you ignore them, their power goes away. They might be hard to ignore at first, thank them for their opinion, and then continue doing what God has called you to do. Remember, their fears are not your fears. And their fears are not the fears of the entire congregation. They don't represent the entire congregation, even though they might sound like they do. Reality is it's just them. Their stuff is only theirs. And the people that they talk around the water cooler with, if there's anybody, it's their problem too. Or they're just ignoring that person and dealing with what they have to say. Their voices might carry, but they don't carry far. And they don't carry as far as God intends to move you. So get moving. Make disciples. Teach and baptize. What are you waiting for? (laughs) Go with God and do what God has called you to do. You can do this. You can because you have the Holy Spirit helping you, guiding you, teaching you, bringing you to the resources you need, bringing you to the people that you need to talk to, bringing people to you that God wants you to use. Be in prayer and earnestly seek the Holy Spirit and God will see those desires of your heart to glorify his name, and he will help you to make disciples. Man, that's good stuff. Next time, we're going to start um, talking again about the discipleship process and a little bit more about connecting. So until then, God bless.